Alrighty, welcome to Outrageously Unnecessary. We are a podcast all about telling you uh, the insane and crazy things that the wealthy have bought or done through the ages. Because uh, as long as rich people have existed, they've just been flaunting that wealth on the most ridiculous of things. So uh, my name is Haley. I'm your host and I'm here with my co-host, Steven. Steven, say hi. Hi, Steven. Oh, hi, Steven. <laughs> I'm fairly certain you did that joke last time. Uh, I did. It. Oh, it's, my. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a running theme now. Just FYI. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to it's just going to be running in. But anyways, dear listeners, uh, not the day that this comes out, but the day that we are recording today is Steven's birthday. Hey. Happy birthday, Steven. Thanks, Haley. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good day. Uh, of course, today's D&D day, so I'm stoked about that. And it's so it's always going to be a good day yeah, when it's D and D day. Absolutely, and the fact that it's on my birthday too, it just makes it even better. I'm telling you, I got to send like a mass text to everyone and be like, "Hey, are you guys getting him a cake? Because obviously, I'm not there, but I need to make sure that like you are taken care of." <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. appreciate the thought and gesture. I'm always taken care of. Yeah, just so everyone knows, I very creepily sent Stephen a message this morning. Be like, hey, happy birthday. Send me a picture of yourself wearing headphones. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, uh... um, and I was like, I want to do a Twitter thing. <laughs> so <laughs> you can see the very nice photo that Stephen sent me on our Twitter. But <laughs> yes. Yes. OK, so birthday boy, yeah. you go First. Wonderful. I'm so excited. I've uh, obviously like for, for the, the last episode, um, you know, definitely put a lot of thought and time into those topics. Um, but I was really, really torn between doing what I have for today last time. But I was like, no, what I had, to, you know, what I had, you know, that episode, it just really made, you know, obviously, if I'd done something different, it wouldn't have been the, the episode that it was. So um Today, you mean the the most wholesome episode we had today? Yeah, possibly the sweetest episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so yeah. Um, what did what did Twitter decide? Like, what what was the uh, oh it was the Wizard's Tower, right? It was the Wizard's, the Wizard's Tower, Tower, and I had anticipated it was going to be possibly the sweetest episode, so I released it under that, and then realized that the Twitter poll was something else. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I had to sneakily change. Yeah, it. Twitter had spoken, and um, so we listened and. Um, I mean, we did it literally the night of because <laughs> I'm a moron. <laughs> and uh, well, and first of all, um, obviously, I, I know that uh, to our listeners, I know that Haley would echo, uh, would echo this as well. But thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, for sticking it out with us. Uh, we are doing our best to get on a uh, a regiment, a recording regiment, uh, so that we can release um, as regularly as humanly possible. Uh, it is for us, so we're excited, and we thank you so much for listening. We think Wednesdays. We think Wednesdays yeah. are our release days. Ho- Sundays tend to be our recording days. So hopefully in between that time, we always put up a poll on Twitter of uh, of what the episode title should be. I, I take down uh, little snippets during the episode of things that I thought were hilarious and said. So out of context, I have you, the listeners, vote on what the title should be. Yeah. But um, yeah. Anyways, hopefully Wednesdays are... Wednesday every two weeks, I think, is what we're currently aiming for. If we don't follow it, don't be shocked. Yeah, yeah. Don't be shocked. Just know, ah, that's the normal. But uh, we're going to do our best. Absolutely, we're going to do our best. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so Haley, um, I want you to step into a time machine, and I want you to transport Ooh. yourself back into your childhood. And, uh, I mean, listeners, you can as well. Uh, this is this is going to be an, an, an interactive um, episode. So everyone's going to my childhood. Okay, everybody, picture it. It's Tucson, Arizona. It's hotter than hell. Everything is pretty blank. I've just stepped on top of a barrel cactus wearing my Tweety Bird slippers. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can picture it with like, is your hair like a crazy mess? Like at that point? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Absolutely. Yes. And you're probably not, but I can picture you wearing like this really cute little like jumper. Um, but and with your Tweety, you know, your Tweety little shoes and. I'm pretty sure I was wearing pajamas. So picture like um, <laughs> big T-shirt status as a four year old. Yes. And I stepped on top of a golden barrel cactus using my Tweety Bird slippers because for some reason I thought I could stand on it. <laughs> I could not. Oh, I love cactuses. Anyways, that's going to be a tangent that I don't want to go down. So childhood, <laughs> we're going to we're going to stay on track. Childhood. Um, OK, so some kids, you know, when they're younger, they collect baseball cards. Some kids, they collect rocks, um, some Actually, one of my cousins had a really cool uh, 
extensive bug collection. That was before I got to the age, I think I was like five or six, when I had my first spider crawl across me, and then I realized I hated bugs. <laughs> and I absolutely detest them. And I had actually a really big fear of spiders growing up, and uh, I've actually kind of recently been kind of getting out of that, which um, it's kind of impressed me. Um, and my wife was gone here, here a couple weeks back for a couple weeks, and it was just me alone in the house. And it's an older house, and there's you know a lot of holes in the wall and, and the floorboards, baseboards, and I definitely killed quite a few spiders on my own. Um, it really feels like you should never live in Australia. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. I've seen pictures. Um, but anyways, even to kill a few spiders, I felt empowering. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, so bug collections, you know, baseball card stuff. Um, Haley, as a kid, did you ever collect anything? It doesn't have to- Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies, okay. Yeah, Beanie Babies, absolutely. Who remembers Beanie Babies? I had, a hundred, Everyone. I had 127 Beanie Babies. No, you didn't. And they were all, I did. Oh, my gosh. And they were all in a massive trunk. So we had a guest house in our backyard because we had built it as um, an in-law's house yeah. uh, for my grandpa uh-huh. uh, when I was six. And uh, he died the month after it was built. Oh, so that's we terrible. Just had, yeah, it's awful. But like, you know, he was happy. He was living with us sure. and he was old. So but it ended up that we just had a guest house. And so that's where most storage things went. And um, I still remember like massive trunk of Beanie Babies filled to the brim. Just so many of them and literally Katie and I actually in middle school used to go out there and we used to like open up the trunk and just pull them all out and like (laughs) play games with them and stuff. But yeah, it was Beanie Babies. And then my other collection was uh, statues. Okay, nice. Uh, For me as a kid, uh, a couple things that I collected. Um, The first one, my most extensive collection was hogs. (laughs) Yes. Do you remember Pogs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, of course your collection was Pogs. I had maybe well over 800. <gasps> that, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was borderline unhealthy extensive. <laughs> That's so many. Oh my goodness. I would collect them, trade them with, you know, friends, um, buy them off friends, yeah, when I say buy, um, what I literally mean is, hey, um, so I got this half-eaten Twinkie, and I see that you, uh, <laughs> I see that you got some pods. Um, oh, that's some schoolyard trading shit right there. <laughs> every time the deal was accepted, every time, and it was usually like some half-eaten something, if I remember my childhood correctly. <laughs> it was like either like a half-eaten Twinkie, a half-eaten sandwich, a half-drunk. Um, surge, uh, uh, yeah, this is, this is yelling the nineties right now. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. But the deal was usually often always transacted in my favor. They lost all the time, a hundred percent. But I always, I I, I was a little, I was a little salesman. Even back in the day, I was a little salesman, Haley. Um, cause that's what I do for a living now. So obviously my childhood, you know, prompted me into the career path that I'm now on. So yeah, so Pogs for sure. And then, um, the second collection was Hot Wheels. Ooh, yeah. We also, we also had a nice collection of Hot Wheels. So uh, one of my, so my, actually my best man at my wedding, still one of my best friends, um, um, today, uh, his name is Ben. Uh, we were college buddies. Uh, we were roommates all through college, um, in Florida and his collection outbeat mine. And this is actually not part of my topic. I'm getting, I'm jumping into that, but this is well worth mentioning. Ben to date has every single Hot Wheels car that's been ever made in, in production. Holy shit. He's been to the Hot Wheels factory. Um, he, uh, he's, he he's even he was even uh, gifted a car right off the assembly line that hadn't even gone into full fledged production yet. Wow! Um, so this, yeah, this guy um, he was awesome. So he was a music major. I was a theater major, right? And um, he he brought <laughs> he brought most of his Hot Wheel car collection to college. Okay, uh, I'm not was, even mad. That makes total sense to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it was impressive. So Ben, he would select a Hot Wheel car for every day. And he had, and get this in your mind, he had, a, okay, so four years in college, okay, that he was there. I was there for a little bit longer, but he, four years in college, two semesters 
you know, for a year, however many days that is, you know, it's what, nine weeks. So Mm -hmm. however many days that is, he had enough Hot Wheels cars that there was a completely different one for all four years every single day. Whoa. So it got to the point where everybody would know that Ben Mancroni, his last name was Mancroni. I love that last name, Ben Mancroni. I'm giving you a shout out, Ben. If you ever listen to this, I'm giving you a shout out. Um, so he had a Hot Wheels car for every single of the day, and it came to be known around campus as that's the guy who has the car of the day. So Ben and I, we came up with a really catchy jingle so that when anybody came up to ask Ben what the car of the day was, we would sing this jingle. He would beatbox because he was an amazing beatboxer, amazing, amazing beatboxer. Uh, never done any percussion, never studied drums, but just an amazing – this kid was full of rhythm. So he would beatbox, and I would sing this little jingle. Uh, for the car of the day and Haley I'm gonna sing the the car of the day jingle for you on our podcast if that's okay yes so um so yeah so people come up and ask well hey Ben what's the car of the day and he would look at me I would look at him and then he would start out it's the car of the day it's the car of the day it's Ben Macroni's and Steve's car of the day and that that would be the jingle if someone wants to make that their ringtone please do and it got so it got so popular that so that so like um every two weeks we'd have a student body like a like a big student body meeting and i remember like our like his junior year my sophomore year we uh it got so popular that one student body they asked us to come up and do that in front of the whole student body and uh it was it was amazing. So, anyways, so obviously transitioning into into hobbies. So that was a crazy hobby. Ben has spent. Uh, he told me one time he's probably spent well over probably thirty grand oh. on, on all his Hot Wheel cars. Okay, so which is bananas. Okay, and and, and keep this in mind, um, friends and family, um, that Ben is a music teacher. He makes maybe thirty six thousand dollars a year. Okay, oh my so that God. so that is one year. <laughs> Roughly of of income that he has spent on his damn Hot Wheel cars. Okay, Okay, so obviously, (laughs) obviously, this is the transition into like if he spent that much, how much have other people spent on hobbies? And collections. Right. Please, right. So God, Stephen, tell me. So, the, so yeah, Ben is just the tip of the iceberg. Okay. So, getting into hobbies and collections, um, I'm sure what I have is not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> um, but these are just uh, a couple things that I know that I'm interested in, like some things that if I had the money, I would absolutely spend everything on. So, the first guy that we're going to talk about is a man named Rob... Foster. Oh, Rob Foster. Rob Foster, like um, most children in the early 80s, late 80s, um, they were into one of two things. And they were either into Star Wars mm-hmm. or they were into Transformers. Um, because those are the two kind of the really biggest cool as far as like toys and stuff like that. Well, Rob fell in love with Star Wars from, from a very, very early age. And um, to date, Rob Foster, he has almost the entirety of all the Star Wars figures and models that, ha- that have ever been made in production. Wow. To, to date. To so date, so uh, like that includes all the current stuff. Oh, he's, he's still, today, he's still buying all the current stuff that comes out to add wow. to his collection. Yeah. Um, like on Google, there's like, there's a, uh, 134 image gallery that documents his entire warehouse, like with every, all the figures, every single he angle owns a warehouse. Well, no, I say warehouse, but like, it's an addition onto his home Okay. that, 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 that him and his wife built so that it would house everything. Yeah. It's, it's bananas. So he's got star Wars collectibles, uh, vintage 1977 figures. Um, he has full battalions of stormtroopers. He has all the ultimate collector Lego models, um, stuff that's in um, their original boxes that have not been taken out. That he hasn't taken out. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. So um, he actually started collecting everything back in. Um, he started in 1995. Okay. And he like researched and he found and just over, you know, starting out, he, yeah, he, he was 15 years old at the time 
And, you know, obviously, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, in the, you know, late eighties, you know, he saw all the original star Wars, fell in love with them and just decided, Hey, I want to start collecting stuff. Um, so he was 15, started collecting this about in 1995. And, uh, there was an interview that was done with him, um, that I kind of, uh, I printed off some of the transactions of that interview mm-hmm. and the interviewer said, okay, you know, he asked him when it started and he said, so today, and this was back in 2012, I believe he said today, like how much do you calculate everything is worth than that you've spent? He said, and today's like, it's probably well over a million dollars that I've spent. And that, and also that this collection dollars is worth. Um, this is just a normal everyday Joe who has casually spent a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. I'm mean, easily, easily that. Um, but as far as what every, what everything is worth now, it's probably worth three to four to $5 billion. Like everything <gasps> that he has easily. Whoa. Yeah. It's bananas. Um, and so the, like the interview keeps asking, you know, asking, you know, about his models and like, you know, what are his favorites? Does he have any favorites? And his favorite is, um, actually, uh, it's a custom vintage Gargan and Gargan. If you guys remember, um, in, I believe it's return of the Jedi. She was the, the fat dancer in Jabba the Hutt's palace. She was the okay. one that was, yeah, there, and there, there, this there, is his favorite. Yeah. It's his favorite because it was made into the vintage line. Uh, there was a vintage line that came out um, late, uh, late seven, no, yeah, uh, early eighties, but it fell apart during the mid eighties, and that vintage line was no longer. It was discontinued. But she was sculpted in the vintage style, and only twenty five of her was made. Wow! And he has one of them. So, okay. which I is, guess, I guess, for the rarity of it, you would definitely place a lot of love and affection towards that. Right. So, Haley, I'm going to upload just a just a few snapshots of images of this man's collection. Holy shit. <laughs> Isn't that bananas? It's just shelf after shelf of the individual figurines just lined up and standing. And there's multiple rows of them and they're on like little risers, like they're a little school chorus getting ready to do something, but they're all organized by like, this is my row of stormtroopers. This is my row of Darth Vader's. This is my row. Uh, oh my God. This is phenomenal. It literally goes up to the ceiling. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so let me, let me see if I can get if this other image will upload. Yes, it will. Perfect. So, uh, these are just a couple more of a couple different of, cause He's bought multiple of each of different types of figures. So here's just a couple more uh, that he has. I'm kind of shocked. Uh, Every single one of the photos that you sent me so far, which is, you know, two. But um, all of the all of the things are figurines are out of the box, which to me, I was not expecting. I thought that he'd be one of the kind of people to be like, I've spent millions of dollars on them and they will be pristine in box condition. Yeah, like there are some that he said that he has kept in the boxes just because of how old and how much they're worth and just the, just keeping them in the box. But for the most part, he likes displaying them. He likes composing them in different you know, action set type pieces. He's done that before where he'll make like these extensive battles and stuff like that. You know, he said, because what's the point in most of these, just having them in a box when I can display them and have fun with them. I completely agree with that. People who like get the rare thing and then lock it away so no one can see it. Like that's just, that's a boring and sad way to live life. Yeah. So he also has a, um, like it's like a quarter inch replica of the Death Star as well as the Falcon, both of which took him about 25 to 30 hours to build and complete. Um, yeah. Uh, they asked him, like, well, how, how are you able to, like, afford this entire collection? So he actually works at, and I, I don't know if this studio is still around, but he works in the visual effects and, and, and an animation studio called Real FX Creative Studios. And okay. I didn't look and see if they're still around, but uh, he works in the art department. And so he's a visual artist. Um, so, um, I think they get paid pretty well. So, but anyways, uh, the other thing that, uh, this, uh, during the interview that was asked was, um, they asked him like, well, what does your girlfriend, uh, think about your collection? And, uh, 
he said, well, she's, she's actually pretty great about it. Uh, when my girlfriend and I started shopping for a home, the only thing that I asked for was an extra room to put all my toys in. Uh, so she fell in love with the place that we live in now. Um, and we've actually built a room um, for all my toys. And it's been that way for the last few years. And she's been a, a really, she's been a champ. That's it in quotes. She's been a champ. Aww. So way to go. Um, way to go, Rob. Yeah, way to go, Rob's. I was like, is his name Rob? Yeah, Rob Foster. Way to go, Rob's girlfriend, for being super supportive of his amazing but borderline unhealthy <laughs> Star Wars collection. I mean, but really, I mean, honestly, I can see it. Like, if you're going to collect something, collect something you really, really love. And it, it, it's a really cool, it's a really cool collection. I mean, it, I'm, it I'm jealous. It definitely is. Now, it's, and, and, even, and even Rob said in the interview, he's like, it's, this is not all inclusive. Um, this is nothing compared to Skywalker Ranch, you know, with, with where George Lucas is at, obviously. Um, and he said, I've seen some pretty other pretty cool collections, but mine's up there uh, for sure. <laughs> he knows it. He's aware. Absolutely. So moving on from Star Wars. And I said there was one of two things that people really love to collect in those, those years, Star Wars and also Transformers. So uh, let's move on to uh, this lovely lady who uh, connects, uh, connects, collects, and still collects uh, Transformers. So we have that. But this lady, so she uh, she started collecting Transformers back in 1984. Her and her husband, um, Anthony, uh, they were recovering from a serious motorcycle accident. Mm. Um, and uh, she recovered pretty, pretty, pretty easily, but she, uh, her husband spent most of his days in front of the television. Um, so back in 84, one of the most popular cartoons that was on was Transformers, and it instantly became one of his favorite shows. Oh, my God. So it just so happened that one day after they recovered, they were walking around uh, La Mesa, California, mm-hmm. and the Toys R Us, and there was a action figure aisle, and right up front there was a Transformers section. So Anthony, uh, he pleaded with, uh, with his wife and said, I promise I just want one. That's how they all started. And he slipped a vintage 84 Starscream into his shopping cart. Well, at that point, it wasn't vintage. It was. (laughs) It just was. Right. He got his. So he got his one. And uh, those trips to Toys R Us kept going until Anthony got 275 Transformers. Oh, my God. All from the 80s. And this collection was actually just sold. For $1 million on eBay. Whoa. Yes. 200, wait, 200 odd figurines are now million dollars? Yes. Oh. And this is their uh, room for Transformers. Oh my God. Now this looks like a warehouse. The picture you just sent me. It's just like industrial shelving. And these ones are all in their boxes. And they're all just like stack, 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 stack. This looks like the back room of a Toys R Us. I know, but it's, it's their room. Uh, it's, you literally just sent me a gun. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a gun that, that transforms into a, uh, an Autobot and a, um, Decepticon. I had to think of the word. I'm not really big into Transformers. I had to think of the word. Yeah. I'm just... Wait, hold on. No, they're Autobots, as in they're cars. Are they both Autobots? Why would it... No, no, no. It's Autobots and Decepticons. But I'm just saying, like, they're usually vehicles. Why would they be a gun? I don't know. I don't know. But actually, so um, I do have a little note on the guns. Um uh, so there's a U.S. law that says it, it, it's illegal for any business or individual to import or sell. Oh, there was like a, a scandal with this. Oh, it's Megatron because uh, it doesn't display a blaze orange safety tip at the end of the barrel. Oh, OK. I got that. So, so that sucker's got to stay in the box. Yeah. And no apparently they did, that. Yeah, apparently they didn't make very many of these, you know, because obviously it's a gun. And why would you want to give a, a kid a, a toy gun? You know that? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. That I think that I think that's uh, th- I think that's curious, and I would definitely like to research that a little bit more. But I mean, it is kind of cool. It's a gun that transforms into a uh, do a transformer. So it certainly is a thing. So yeah, so two hundred seventy-five transformers um, collected and then recently sold. So she gets a million dollars. Wow, so, a million dollars just for that that weekly trip to Toys R Us. Yeah. 
Uh, and th- this one kind of ends on a sad note. Uh, Anthony actually, uh, he, uh, he passed away uh, in uh, 1983. Um, oh. No, no, I'm sorry. No, not ni- 1983. He passed away I was going to say, wait, he was buying his stuff in 1984. So, no, he passed away in 1988 because he died of AIDS. Oh. Because he was infected with HIV during an anti-hemophilia treatment while being hospitalized for the, uh. bike, a- for the bike accident. So he developed AIDS and then he died, you know, just a couple years after he, he had gotten all the transformers he wanted. Aw. Well, that's nice so, that his wife, like, kept that tradition going and, like, held on to all of them. Yeah, absolutely. And then it got to the point where she's like, well, I'm not really going to do much with them. So she sold them and she got a million dollars for it. So how work, about that? Honey, work. <laughs> work. So last but not least, uh, I'm going to finish up with. One of video game uh, and pop culture's most favorite icons, possibly one of the most popular video game icons, and that's Mario. Mario. So, it's official. Brett Martin has a metric buttload of (laughs) video game memorabilia. By Mr. Martin's own estimation, his collection clocks in at about 10 to 15,000 individual pieces i'm sorry did you say thousand 10 to 15 thousand marios and the what oh look at all these pictures i'm sending you oh 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 my lord oh my suddenly my feed is just like filled with the bright red hat and black mustache of mario and there are some <laughs> Luigi's thrown in there, but they're all like figurines. They're stuffed animals. They, they are so haphazardly cramped onto shelves. I can't even believe it. Right. There's and no I, love I, and care in the organization of these, no. and the, uh, such as the other ones. This one uh, is that's just what I'm like, saying. Each of these are very distinct collectors. Like the first one, it, it's you know they're you know he's got them out displayed and all this stuff, and then the second one was very very like warehousey type feel. This one is just like shit everywhere oh my god it's like a hoarder's room it's a hoarder's room of marios so so uh besides marios he's also collected a vast gallery of um different toys and stuff that uh, for game franchises like zelda sonic the hedgehog kirby mega man and crash bandicoot however uh each main franchise section has subcategories based on characters from within the franchise oh my god within those further subcategories he has keychains plushies figures and pins um he also developed his own website called the video game memorabilia museum which is a complete virtual museum of all of um brett martin's pieces which he is updating with new photos as well as new entries uh, whenever he gets the chance. Oh my god. How much has he spent on this? So, to date... Uh... Is it just whenever he like walks into a Hallmark and there happens to be... <laughs> there just happens to be a Mario sitting there? Or it's like... Literally any store. You can find Mario anywhere. So if he just sees a Mario, it's like, nah, gotta throw it in the basket. So it doesn't give an exact number, but he said he spent well over six figures. Oh, my God. And the collection is probably worth that much, if not more. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Like, if if you did sell this to, like, a video game museum or. Yeah. 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 So um, I couldn't find a picture, but he's also got it, it was it, it's one of the most vintage collectible pieces of Super Mario Brothers. But it's called the Super Mario Brothers Shower Power Shower Attachment. Excuse me? Yes. Shower Power Shower Attachment. I, I, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, let's see if I can find it really fast. Uh, oh, my goodness. Is this it? <gasps> no. Oh, I don't like that at all. No, send it to me. I want to know. Okay, I'm sending this to you right now. So, yeah, just... What do you think about that, Haley? There it is. Oh! Oh! Good Jesus! <laughs> no! Oh, no! I hate it. I know. I I'm not okay it with so it at all. <laughs> so, so, listeners, what it is, it's literally Luigi holding up Mario, holding up a shower head. 
But they're they look like half melted Chernobyl monsters. Yeah, it doesn't look right at all. It looks like a half-assed piece of like it was it was so bin. half-assed oh my god if i found this at a yard sale i would be utterly horrified uh, uh, it's amazing i hate it i hate it so much <laughs> so Haley, there you have it uh three of some crazy hobbies some expensive hobbies um and hobbies that and obviously just- people have bought and then the shower power hour and then the shower power <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, God. I hate the shower power. I hate it. I hate the shower attachment. Uh, can you just imagine, like, you know, every time you go into the shower, you turn on the shower and it's do 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 do. Oh, no. You know, it's, you step into the shower and it's Mario and Luigi staring at my boobs. Yeah, I can see where that would be uncomfortable. I don't want that. <laughs> just their dead. Eyes and it's like it's a me, Mario. <laughs> it's a me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, so well, there you thanks, go. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So yeah, there's no, my, that was super good. That there's was, my hobbies. Yeah, that's amazing. That these are just normal ass people, rather than some yeah. rich people with like insane, just like weird hobbies. These are just normal people. Yep. Just spending every extra cent that they have on Mario stuff. <laughs> oh, thank you, Steven. You're um, so welcome. So, um, my, my topic is how you say, not yours. <laughs> it ah. is, well, actually, I suppose you could say that this well, it isn't necessarily a collection, but it is something that uh, rich people uh, would spend their extra money on just to kind of... It made them happy. It, they, would, they would flaunt it, hold it, love it. No, they wouldn't. Um, <laughs> they would love it. They wouldn't hold it. That'd be creepy. Um, anyways, to, to kind of start off my, my topic, I would like to say... First of all, I think that we have all dreamt of leaving our day jobs and retreating into the hills to become a recluse of society. Oh, I have that dream at least every day. Yeah. So um, did you know that in the 18th century, that was a legitimate option and you could be paid to do so? What? Yeah, you could be paid to be a hermit. (gasps) Where? Sign me up. (laughs) <laughs> Sign me up, well, Ailey. Hop, hop into your time travel machine. Head on back to the 1700s. <laughs> <laughs> where you too can be paid to be an ornamental hermit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, so sad now. <laughs> you're so uh, sad that this is no longer a viable option for yeah, you? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I'm so excited. Go ahead. Okay, um, I don't think you're going to be as excited once you hear what the rules are for being oh. an ornamental hermit. But oh, boy. Let's talk real quick about what exactly a hermit is, though. Okay. Because I thought a hermit was the same thing as a hobo, which was uh, just, you know, you, you go up into the hills, you're homeless, you're whatever. Um, no, turns out a hermit is someone who has specifically gotten so sick of dealing with society that they have retreated to an isolated place like a mountain cave or like some cottage in the woods where nobody else is around and uh-huh. they just spend all their time contemplating existence and becoming extremely wise but also very dirty and uh, sometimes people will seek them out for advice sometimes uh, they go their entire lives without interacting with the rest of society ever so not just a hobo they are they are hobos with purpose the purpose is no society. And um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So some extra background on what's happening in the 1700s is uh, the British were sick and tired of straight lines and perfect hedges that sort of came with French formal landscaping. 
and uh, our man Capability Brown, a uh, famed landscape designer who pretty much changed the whole British garden design by becoming a proponent of naturalistic design. Uh, Capability Brown uh, introduced this idea that, like, hey, you can play off the natural features of everything. You can, Ooh, um, um, you can have your lands, your your which your your aristocracy sort of massive amount of land. Uh-huh. Go ahead and just turn that into like some fun travel foresty pass. Put some stuff in there for you to discover some twisty, turny, swoopy paths. Yes. Um, and so basically because of this, the British dudes decided, well, I want to do that. But I'm going to make this a fun adventure for everyone to go on. And I would like to create something called a folly. And a folly is the recreation of like Greek and Italian ruins or um, just different structures that they just stuck in their gardens. Because as you were walking along and then all of a sudden, oh, my, it's the ruins of a Greek temple. How interesting. Uh huh. So they were doing that. And uh, at the, basically, the, the British aristocracy took this idea of doing something with that and uh, the desire uh, and society's overwhelming desire to become hermits. Uh, and they decided to do something very weird with their money and their landscape, which was they started building hermitages on their estates. <laughs> They built hermit houses. Uh, the hermit houses were like the same things as the Follies, where they were crumbling brick or stone. Maybe you carved out a ginormous tree. A lot of them were decorated with shells or bones to make them feel authentic. Because mm-hmm. what else do you want except for your <laughs> land to have a hermit house on it? And I'm just going to send you... Uh, a quick image of um, of what a hermit house. This one is a little bit fancier, but this is oh, in, that's this so is fancy. One that, this one survives uh, t- still today. So this is a particularly fancier hermit house uh, that exists uh, in a manor gardens in East Essex. But uh, it's just like a small, round little house with a thatch roof, but. Whatever, they just started building hermitages. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I have a better one. One that you would assume a hermit lives in. Yes, that is exactly what I picture. Please please describe it. So, I don't know why, but it's taking me back to... to uh, oh... And all you Dragon Ball Z lovers are going to hate me. Um, it's For whatever reason, this reminds me of... Did you watch Dragon Ball Z, Haley? I did. And if you're trying to say that it looks like Master Roshi's house, it does not. I don't know why, but it, yeah, Master Roshi, it's... I don't for whatever... I know it doesn't, but that's the first Master thing I got Roshi's was... Master Roshi's house is literally like a small yellow house <laughs> that looks relatively modern. The one that we no. are currently looking at is a painting of like a round hut with like a tall cone thatch roof and like a little awning coming off of it. Everything is made of like thatch and mud. <laughs> hey, picture association. Shoot me. I don't know. I don't know why, but it did. Uh, but no, it, it yeah, it, it's out in the middle of the woods. It looks it, honestly also too. It looks like possibly the witch's hut from Hansel and Gretel. There you go. That seems more accurate before it was made for a, uh, um, before uh, candy was put on it. Yeah, exactly. So let's continue on about how you can make money as an actual hermit, shall we? Yes. Um, so basically, British aristocracy are building these hermitages in which, by the way, I adore the word hermitages. I don't know why. It's just it's very word. fun to say. It's a good word. Um, they're building a hermitage on their property. But in order for it to feel authentic, you need something else. You need an actual hermit. Uh, you need to hire a person to live in your hermit hut on your land. And a lot of landowners put advertisements into the paper to hire hermits. Okay. So one example is a guy named Charles Hamilton. 
Okay. Uh, Charles placed an ad into the paper after remodeling his gardens to include a lake, a grotto, a Chinese bridge, a temple, and a hermitage. So he went he went ham on the landscape. He went all but in. But the basically the ad said the hermit is never to leave the place or hold conversation with anyone for seven years during which he is neither to wash himself or cleanse himself in any way whatever, but is to let his hair and nails, both on hands and feet, go as long as nature will permit them. That'd be hard for me because I tear my nails. I couldn't do it. Yep, so you're you're already out. It wasn't... So you you were more put off by the fact that you bite your nails rather than uh, the fact that you're not allowed to bathe or talk to anyone? Uh... So, Haley, about this hermitage thing. (laughs) (laughs) So... The ad offered 700 pounds for someone who would be a hermit for him for the next seven years. 700 pounds? That's it? 700 pounds. It's cheap. No, no. 700 pounds is equivalent to $77,000 in today's money. You know, I would uh, would just wrap bandages around my fingers and keep bandages on those fingers and not worry about it for (laughs) $77,000. So you could get paid $77,000 to go on, go and live in some dude's hut that he has created specifically for you. The only, the only repercussions are you can't talk to anyone. You can't cut your hair. There's no bathing and you can't leave the estate. Yeah. The no bathing thing would be, would be tough. Yeah. You, you about to get real smelly. Yeah. But I think after but, so long, you're just so you just get so used to it. That's true. It's everyone else who has to deal with your stank, not yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but also, I don't know if the 700 pounds was uh, for the all of the seven years that he was looking to hire a hermit for. Like if you, it was 100 pounds a year for seven years or if it was 700 pounds a year for seven years. But, that would be amazing. Yeah. But in any case, 700 pounds is what was offered. You're making $77,000. Please tell me somebody did this and that there is. Um, somebody did do this and he was hired, but unfortunately had to be fired three weeks later when he was found in the local pub talking to people and drinking <laughs> beer. <laughs> oh. He broke the rules. He went off the estate. He went off the estate and spoke with people. That's a no, no. So. <laughs> Others, I know, right? <laughs> uh, he, w- he wasn't strong enough. He wasn't strong enough. He couldn't do it. Um, by the way, here, let me go ahead and show, uh, show you a picture of what a standard hermit looks like. Is he wearing bricks? <laughs> I believe it's just meant to be that he has patched together his clothes like nobody's business. Anyways, this is a drawing wow. of a man called John Big, the Denton Hermit. I'm assuming Denton is a place. Uh, he was not an ornamental hermit, but uh, this was a hermit of the same era, era who kind of got the the same. Uh, this was the aspired aesthetic of okay. a hermit. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, grow, growing out your beard real long. Making sure that you look old and wizened and uh, kind of crazy. Um, so a lot of the times the uh, British aristocracy who did hire hermits uh, asked that their hermits not wear shoes. Uh, sometimes they would ask them to entertain party guests with personalized poetry. So if they had guests over, the British people would go through a walk through their garden and they would happen upon the hermitage. And it's like, ah, oh, let's just go knock on the door of our hermit. And the the guy was supposed to be, like, sitting there waiting for you, poised and at the ready. And for some, uh, they weren't allowed to speak at all. They would just kind of nod and acknowledge your presence. But others uh, wanted, like, 
they're learned, therefore they have to be telling you poetry. Or sometimes they were just no better than a serving boy and they would just serve you wine while you sat in their hermitage. Um, Unreal. Yeah. So, uh, but what happens if you are a nobleman who can't attract a hermit to live in your house or you didn't quite have the funds to pay for a hermit to live on your estate? What is a lowly nobleman to do if you want to remain in fashion? Abduct one. Abduct one. (laughs) That was a lot darker than what actually happened. So basically, uh, it became fashionable for a lot of people to build the hermitage and then they would just decorate it as though it was lived in. They would add some like glasses, some books, an hourglass, maybe. And uh, that way, when tourists were going around the estate and, and visiting around, they could poke their head in. Uh, and they would see all the stuff scattered about like someone just got up and left. So they right. just assume that the resident hermit, he's out doing something. He's collecting berries. He's out. And um, some people actually <laughs> went as far as to buy mechanical dummies to place inside the hut. What? This was the 1700s and they were investing in automatons. Ah. <sighs> So, yeah, so there there were a couple of instances where um, the automaton was set up. The, the very simple function it could do was it could wave or it could, like, turn its head. And that was so basically if you were walking by and your uh, your Georgian uh, nobleman was like walking with you, he could just be like, let us not disturb him. But look, he's sitting in his house. <sighs> was the automaton named Tom? So he could be called automaton Tom. Automaton Tom. Uh, But actually, there were a couple of really scathing reviews uh, from some tourists who knew that they were automatons and they were like, these look too fake to be believable and most disappointing. It's like, most disappointing. Uh, Scathing reviews. Yeah, so there were actually scathing reviews for your your dummy not being believable enough. Why didn't you just hire a damn hermit? <laughs> <laughs> Could yeah. you not afford one? <sighs> Could you not afford a hermit? <laughs> but anyways, uh, so the, the Georgian period of history was one where wealthy folks could explore the local scenery and aristocrats were eager to impress the new tourists. And by hiring people to live on their land and uh, the people were, you know, forbidden to cut their hair or talk to local townspeople. Um, But, you know, they could spout some spiritual wisdom to tourists who asked or maybe some poetry. Mm. Yeah, I'd do it. I'd do it. You do it? I think I'd do it. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know if I could do the whole seven years without uh, bathing. But did they, oh, would they hire a female, though, back then? I don't know if a female hermit would exist. That's a great question. I can't grow a beard, and it feels like a beard is kind of a staple of being yeah. a hermit. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I could always, like, pull a Mulan and just sort of go cross-dressing and pretend sure. to be a dude. Yeah. 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 you good. Yeah, I can see that. Gucci. <laughs> That's bananas. Yep. So, by the way, this was mostly a British thing that uh, happened. It was, um, yeah, it was for some reason mostly a British thing. There's some, <laughs> there's some record of it happening in Germany, but not really. But oh, oh, I just found a really wonderful quote about um, how <laughs> about meeting a hermit. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Okay. Uh, a 1784 guide to the Hawkstone estate in Shropshire belonged to Sir, or belonging to Sir Richard Hill describes its resident hermit. Quote, you pull a bell and gain admittance. The hermit is generally in a sitting posture with a table before him on which is a skull, the emblem of mortality, an hourglass, a book, and a pair of spectacles. The venerable barefooted father, whose name is Francis, if awake. 
always rises up at the approach of strangers. He seems about 90 years of age, yet has all his sense to admiration. He is tolerably conversant and far from being unpolite. End quote. Tolerably conversant. He can kind of make conversation. <laughs> oh, and um, listeners, that sums up uh, Haley and I's podcast. We're tolerably conversant. <laughs> We're tolerably conversant. Unfortunately, <laughs> neither of us is named Francis, nor are we 90 years of age. Yeah. Uh, Which, by the way, it was preferred that you look mm-hmm. old as balls. Well... Trevor, where are you at? <laughs> uh, I feel like this is something that our friend Trevor would do, though. No, I feel like he would absolutely do. No, he likes talking with people too much. That's true. No. Yeah. Mm, yeah. No. In any case, uh, that's it. That's our show. If you want to become an ornamental hermit, uh, just hit us up. I think I'd be willing to build a folly in my backyard and you can live in my hermitage. <laughs> and Haley will pay you $77,000 a year. No, no, I will pay you $700 a year. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go with the original amount. Inflation not included. Inflation not included. Uh, (laughs) Name of the episode, Inflation Not Included. Uh, We've already got some pretty good options. I'm going to (laughs) include (laughs) that. Yes, Twitter poll. Here we go. Uh, So, anyway. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Please, uh, if you like what you're doing, go ahead and uh, hit us up on iTunes or Instagram. iTunes, we're at oh, unnecessary Pod. Instagram, we are at Outrageously Unnecessary. Um, I will be putting the photos that... <laughs> that Stephen and I have been discussing today up on those. Yes. Uh, and any announcements and everything goes on our Twitter. Uh, questions, comments, I love hearing from you. I respond to everybody and everything. Stephen probably will too if he sees it. Um, for the most part, though, you're talking to me. I'm the one who runs it. But uh, Also, if you would give us some sort of a review or a rating wherever you're listening to it, that would be super great. It helps us out tremendously. Uh, to And you know what? Hey, tell a friend. Tell a friend. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Tell a friend. (laughs) And um, if you're struggling for friends, we'll be your friends. So just let us know. We will absolutely be your friends, but don't tell us about our own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because we already know. (laughs) We we know. We're here. We're doing the thing. We're here. We're doing this thing. Uh, Well, thanks so much, guys. All right. See you later.